0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 15th, 2020, we continue our series titled Live Different, the Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, The Lord's Prayer, part one, will be taught to us by Pastor Thomas Slager out of Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 10. Enjoy. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you. Um, Whether you are home in your pajamas or whether you are here at church in your pajamas, um, one thing remains true regardless of the situations we face in life, and that is that our good and sovereign God remains on the throne, that he is still king, uh, and that Jesus still wins. So um, it is great to be with you again, whether you're here in person or whether you're chilling on the comfort of your own couch. We're glad you're with us this morning. This morning we're in Matthew chapter 6. We've been on, in on the Sermon on the Mount. It's quite possibly Jesus' most famous sermon ever given. Last week, we started this little portion of prayer where Jesus begins, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and Jesus lays out this expectation for prayer but then gives us an education so that we can accomplish what he's asked us to do. In verse 5, he said this, And when you pray, Notice how he says when, not if. Not if we pray, it's when we pray. This is what God has for us. This is what he wants for us. He wants us to communicate with him. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many Words do not be like them. He starts the education with the how not to. Um, this is an important piece of education. I recall um, when my dad first taught me to use a hammer. Um, I think I was 10 days old when he first taught me to use a hammer. I'm just kidding. But, but we started with the education of how not to. He said, before we start and before we really get into this thing, let me explain to you how not to use this tool. Uh, we don't wing it around. Um, We only hit the hammer, right? Because to a hammer, sometimes everything looks like a nail, but we're only gonna hit the nail and we're gonna do it just like this. And he showed me. He said, here's how not to do it and then transitioned to here's how to do it. This is exactly what Jesus does. He's given us the how not to. Here's how not to pray. Don't heap up empty phrases to be seen. Thou holiest father, won't thine will be done in thine life, and thy spirit of thine own spirit come dwelleth upon this earth in this place. Like, I don't even know what I just said. It sounded good, and you're probably like, well, that guy's holy, right? But that's not the point. Right, the point isn't to say things or to do things to draw attention to yourself. Jesus says, don't pray like that. Instead, he says, pray then like this. He starts in verse nine. It says this, pray then like this. Now this morning, we're gonna cover verses nine and 10 and then next week, Pastor Jeff will round out the whole passage. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you just just knowing who you are and recognizing you are that you're not just our father but you're our heavenly father and you are in heaven God and we recognize this morning the things that scare us don't scare you we recognize that for our our heavenly father the things that caught us off guard you saw all along and are somehow a part of your master plan this morning God we give you praise for who you are we thank you for your faithfulness we praise you for your mercy for your grace For your presence in our life, God, we request that your kingdom would come in our life right now, God. That the same way you reign in heaven is the same way that you would reign on earth in our lives this morning. And God, whatever situations that we face, we pray for your will to be done. Not ours, but your will be done. God, would you be glorified by everything said and done in this place as we discuss the first couple verses of the prayer your son laid out for us. And it's in the name of his name we pray. Amen. This morning there's two main points to your outline and three sub points to the second point because I just felt like being complicated or something like that. Um, the first thing we see this morning in the prayer is the instruction to see God for who he really is. To see God for who he really is. Now how many, how many of you have prayed the Lord's prayer before? Right? I mean, maybe if not in church, maybe before a football game, because that makes sense, right? Before you smash someone's face in, let's talk to Jesus real quick. Now, some would say those things go together just fine. Um, other of us would say, well, it, just, it just felt weird in high school doing that every time before we went and tried to kill somebody, but um, it, whatever. But we've, we have all pretty much prayed this prayer. In some regard, and most of the time, I think we fail to really recognize the words that we're saying. And in doing so, we almost do what Jesus tells us not to do. We heap up empty words and empty phrases, not really paying attention to what God has told us to pray about. Notice he also says, pray then like this. He doesn't say pray exactly this or pray only this. He says, pray like this, pray these themes Now, it's not wrong for us to corporately pray the Lord's Prayer together, but Jesus gives us this as a model, not just something to be recited word for word. We see God for who He really is. The prayer starts with this Our Father in Heaven. It begins with the recognition of who our prayer is to. It sets the context for our communication Our Father in Heaven. Now, these are some pretty loaded words. I'm actually gonna break down each one of them so we can figure out, what, man, what's, what's the real theme behind this whole thing? The first word, our, it's interesting. Nowhere in the Lord's Prayer, there's no me or my. There's only we, us, and our. Our, Heavenly Father, the prayer begins with an important distinction that we are in this together, that we are a family. That he's not just my God, He's our God. He's not just my father, he's our father. This whole thing isn't just about me. As with any family, the whole family doesn't exist around just one individual, even though sometimes we feel like that or sometimes our kids feel like that. The family exists for the mutual benefit of the family, in our case, the benefit of the family and the glory of the son. So when we pray, we should approach the Lord within our attitude, not just think about my wants, my desires, and my needs, but to think about the wants, desires, and needs of my brother or my sister in Christ. To not just pray for me, but pray for our, that unites us in our fellowship with one another and unites us in our common union with the Lord. Our, and then he says, Father. Now, I know this word Father has some baggage to it, doesn't it? because each of us has probably had a um, different experiences of what father is like. Some of you have had a good father. Some of you may have had a bad father. Some of you have had a gracious and merciful and loving and caring father. Maybe some of you have had an incredibly legalistic father who ruled with an iron fist. Some of you had an absent father. Some of you have had a way too involved father. What we can't do is take our understanding and our experiences of what dad was like and press those on God. Because God's not just a good, good father. God is a perfect father. And while he should be the example to all of us dads and how we should love our kids, we must recognize as children of God that our heavenly father is way better than our earthly Father, that our heavenly Father perfectly loves. Our heavenly Father is perfectly gracious, perfectly merciful, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. It's important to come to Him and recognize that He's good, that He's perfect. It's also important for us to recognize that not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone is a child of God. Hear me out on this. The Bible is clear that all people are God's creation. The Bible is clear that all people are loved by Jesus. But it's also clear that not everyone is a child of God. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus speaking with the Pharisees, he says this, You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. This is Jesus speaking to the religious elite. This is Jesus speaking to the people who appeared to be righteous and it's the people who had it all supposedly together, Jesus looks at them and says, you're, you're, your father's the devil. Even though you've done all the right things, even though you've said all the right things, even though you've lived your life in a way to try to tip the scales in your favor that good outweighs the bad in your life, that doesn't make you in right relationship with God. Just doing the right thing doesn't make you right with God. John 14 Verse 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is Jesus speaking. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to be a child of God, if you want to have access to the Father, if you want God to be your Father, then it only happens through Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Receive, believe, become. Receive what? Receive what? John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave, it's like a gift, that he gave the gift of his son Jesus to die on a cross for us that whoever believed in him would what? Not perish, but have eternal life. We receive that gift. We say, God, I receive that gift of your son so that I can enter into a right relationship with you. Receive and believe in his name. We're gonna get back to this phrase, believe in his name, in just a little bit, but it's essentially who he is, what he's done, his attitude, his character. It's the total summation of who Jesus is. Believe in who Jesus is, not just this mental assent of, yeah, I believe he existed as a historical figure, but believe in what he did for us. Believe that he lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, that he died to death, you and I deserve to die, that he rose from the dead, something that you and I cannot do. We receive the gift. We receive Jesus. We believe. We trust in the work that he did for us. He says when we receive, when we believe, we become children of God. Apart from that, apart from the love of Christ, we cannot be a child of God. Of God. So, this morning you need to ask yourself a question Is your relationship with God the way it should be? Everyone has a relationship with Him, but only few of us can really call Him Father. If we receive Him, if we believe in Him, then we can become children of God. Our Father, we're two words into this prayer. <laughs> you begin to see just how much is really here and just how at risk we are of just saying the words and offering them up without any real meaning behind them. But if we stop and look at it and really recognize who we're speaking to, that changes everything. Our Father in heaven, it's an adoration of who he is and where he is. It says that that my dad's in heaven. My heavenly Father is above everything. He's so high up that he sees everything going on. The things that scare me, ha, he laughs at them. The things that catch me off guard, he's like, just wait. It's a part of everything. It's a part of the plan. We'll see how it all comes together. It's a recognition that his name is above every name, that he's the king of kings, that he's the lord Lord of lords, that his kingdom is above every kingdom, that my father is above everything. Psalm 115, verses one through three says this, "'Not to us, O Lord, not to us, "'but to your name give glory. "'For the sake of your steadfast love "'and your faithfulness, "'why should the nation say, "'Where is their God? "'Our God is in the heavens. "'He does all that he pleases.'" Do you believe that? Do you believe that right now your God is seated in heaven? That he sees everything? That he knows everything? That the things we're afraid of, he's not afraid of. That the things we don't understand, he understands. That's who we're speaking to. Our father in heaven. There's a handful of times in the scriptures where God's people were caught up in a dream or in a vision where they were able to experience God while he was in heaven and their response is amazing. In Ezekiel chapter one, verse 28 the prophet Ezekiel says this as he's caught up in the vision and seeing this picture of a throne like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, this radiant rainbow. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. See, when we see God for who he really is, and we see God for our heavenly father, that does something to our heart. When we see God for who he really is and because we see him for who he really is, we begin to see us, ourselves, for who we really are, what's the response? It's surrender. It's to fall down... On our face in Isaiah chapter 6, similar situation. He's caught up and he gets to see a picture of heaven and he says, Woe am I, man of unclean lips! I am not worthy to stand in front of you, I am not worthy to speak. He hears a voice saying, Who can we send? Who shall go for us? And because he has seen God for who God really is, what does he say? Here I am, send me, I will go. when we see God for who he really is, the only right response is surrender. And this is where our prayer begins, a proper context of who we're even communicating to, that you and I are talking to our Father in heaven. Years ago, I was at a conference and Pastor Francis Chan was speaking. You've probably um, heard some of his sermons or read some of his books Um, And as he was speaking to us, it was a room of about 2,000 youth pastors. um, And he said, I want to teach on prayer. And he was actually talking about this passage. But he said, before I want to do that, I want to make you all a little bit uncomfortable. Okay, well, we'll see how this goes, right? And he says, I want us to just take a second and realize who we're speaking with. And this is what he did. In a room full of people, he did this. He got down on his knees and just did this. I love doing this, I've told you this before, it's my way of like, God have your way in my life. Of, of I'm smaller than you, I'm not as great as you, you're better, you're stronger, you're wiser, you're holier, you're everything that I'm not, but everything I'd like to be in my life, right? This is what I do when, I, when I'm thinking those types of things. And he said, here's what I want us to do, I want us to just get down like this, so all of us, a room of 2,000 people who had never met, met each other before, we got down like this, and he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray the first part of the Lord's Prayer, and after we do that, I want us to just think and acknowledge who we're really talking to. And this is what he did. He said, our father in heaven. And for five minutes, there was nothing but silence. But I can tell you the volume of what was going on in my heart for the first time sitting in prayer and really thinking about who God is, of really thinking about who I am talking to, of really thinking the privilege that this is, is amazing. This should be our attitude of when we approach the Lord in prayer, should be an attitude of this. Now I understand this isn't like, like a socially acceptable, right? Like if you go to Chick-fil-A and you're like, hey, let's pray for the nuggets and you get down for five minutes, like Chick-fil-A is a pretty Jesus-y place, but they might kick you out, right? Because that's just a, it's just a maybe you do it at Chili's and that's going to be different, Um, Maybe this is the type of thing that we do at home, but when we approach the Lord, we need to recognize who we are speaking with because when we see God for who he really is, the response is always surrender. It's always surrender. That's the second thing we see in our outline. When we see God for who he really is, we surrender our lives to him. We surrender our lives to him. There's three ways in which We ought to surrender according to this prayer. Jesus prays, Hallowed be your name. We surrender to God in our worship. When we see him for who he is, we praise him for who he is. Hallowed be your name. Now, I I can't recall a time when I used the word Hallowed in conversation or hallow, um, other than happy Halloween or do you want to go see Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, right? But apart from that, we just don't use the word hallow. Hallow means this. Hallow means to revere, to honor, to praise, to worship, to set apart. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2 says this. There is none holy like the Lord. He is hallowed. He is set apart. He is different. There's none like him. For there is none beside you. There's no one like him. He is hallowed. He is set apart. He is different. There is no rock like our God. He is hallowed. He is set apart. He is different. God is to be revered. He's to be worshipped. We ought to recognize that he is holy. It says, hallowed be your name. Now we're not just talking about his name name. When we talk about names, especially in this context um, and in this culture, we're talking about the total summation of someone's character. We're talking about who they are. Right, we think of names differently. We just think Thomas, that's the name. Uh, my wife and I, we really like to think about the meaning of our names, kids. And we've used those meanings of their name um, to kind of drive us to help them become the person behind the name. For example, Elijah's name is my, means my God is Yahweh. That's what Elijah means. We picked his name based upon the meaning of his name. I want to raise Elijah so that he will proclaim that my God is Yahweh my goal for his life. It's my mission as his dad to do what I can to help little Elijah say, my God is Yahweh. That's who I want him to be. Jude means he is praised. I want that little boy to praise Jesus. I want him to to grow up and become that. I I want that to be who he is. I want that to be his character. Audrey love means strength and love. The strength part is coming very natural. She's a very strong little girl. Um, We just need to kind of hone that in and help her use that for Jesus. Uh, Love, we want her to be a strong and loving little girl. We have another little girl coming April 28th and we've named her Evangeline Joy. Evangeline means bearer of good news. That's who I want my kids to be. That's what I want, the embodiment of who they are, the embodiment of their names collectively. I want to raise kids who say, my God is Yahweh, my God is God, who live a life in praise to him. I want to raise strong Christians who love the Lord and who love God's people. And I want each and every one of them to be bearers of good news, of great joy for all people. So what's in a name? There's a lot in a name. So when we say, hallowed be your name, we're saying, holy is your character, holy is who you are. And when we look at the names of God in scripture, almighty master, healer, prince of peace, everlasting, the Lord of hosts, shepherd, refuge, fortress, beginning and end, most high, creator, redeemer, sustainer, all of these things, this is who our God is. And when we come to him in prayer, we see him for who he is, our heavenly Father, and we hallow, we revere, we worship, we praise his name, we worship him for who he is. Our heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. When we see him for who he is, we surrender to him and we praise him for who he is. The second thing we surrender, we surrender to God's reign. We surrender to God's reign. He says, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, what is the kingdom of God? We, we think knights of the round table, king of a kingdom, castle, throne. Um, is it that? It's not, it's not quite that. The kingdom of God, you can think about it in these three terms, and these aren't original to me. These are, have been widely used um, for ages. You can think of the kingdom of God as dwelling, dominion, and dynasty. Dwelling that God is with us. Dwelling that, that, that we are not alone the kingdom of God dwells where the name of God is proclaimed as king. Therefore, the kingdom of God doesn't have like a physical territory per se, but anywhere God is proclaimed as king, that's where his kingdom is. So if you proclaim God as king, then the kingdom of God is wherever you are because God dwells with you. It's dominion, it's obedience to the king, that the king has reign in our life. That the mission of the king becomes the mission of God his people, that we submit to his lordship, that we submit to his reign and we submit to his rule. Thirdly, it's dynasty, the recognition that we're sons, daughters, and co-heirs with Christ, that we will reign and rule with him forever. It's a recognition that I am a part of God's kingdom, not a part of this kingdom, that I'm a part of something much larger, that I'm a part of something more, that I'm a part of something that will never end In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, this is when Jesus began preaching. It said this, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is now. Repent, turn away from your sins. Turn away from the kingdom you once subscribed to. Turn away from the kingdom that you've been living in. Turn away from the king that you've been following and turn to the real king and accept his dwelling, accept his dominion, and understand the dynasty that we will reign with him in the kingdom that never ends. When we see God for who he really is, we surrender to his kingdom rather than our own. The third and final point we see is that when we see God for who he really is, we surrender to his will. We surrender to God's will. Jesus says, your will be done. Your will be done. Ephesians 5.17 says this, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We should do our part to understand what has God told us. If God has commanded something, then clearly that's his will because he's told us to go and do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, for example, give thanks In all circumstances, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can read through the scriptures and see what God's will is for our life based upon the things he's told us to do. That is his will. But then there's this other piece of God's will that we don't see. It's the master plan, right? Like we try to see and understand the little tiny picture in the coronal, coronal, the corner of our each individual puzzle pieces. Um, But here's the deal. God sees the whole thing, the whole thing before the puzzle's even done, and he's the one placing everything exactly where it needs to go to accomplish his will. That's part of it that we don't see. And we submit to him, we say, not my will, God, but your will be done. Jesus modeled this perfectly, of course, before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26 says this, and going a little further, he fell down on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. This is before he's arrested, beaten, and crucified. If it be possible, if there's any other way, could we do that? If there's a different way you have in mind, if there's a different thing that you can do here, let's do that. What does Jesus say? Not as I will, but as you will. Again, for the second time, verse 42, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. That's what we're praying. We're praying for God's way to happen in our life. For God's will to happen in our life. Not our own kingdom, not our own will, not our own wants, not our own desires, not even our own needs we submit to him and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we see him for who he is, we surrender and we trust in him. There's that final little stanza in the passage. that says this, on earth as it is in heaven. Now we like to think that just goes to the your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's best contextually understood to attach those to all three prior. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when I see him for who he is, my proper response should be to pray him to praise him for who he is, but not just in any way. See, when I look forward to the future, when I look forward to heaven, and I see this picture of angels upon angels singing worship, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. If that's what eternity looks like for me, if that's what heaven looks like for me, and that's what worship looks like for eternity, for all of us, I don't want to wait I don't want to wait till someday to finally worship him the way he deserves to be worshipped. I want to worship him. I want to hallow him on earth right now in my life as it's done right now in heaven. I want to offer him everything that I've got. Not just my songs, not just a lyric, not just a melody. I want to offer him my life. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, This is a hard one because we spend a lot of time trying to build our own little kingdom. We spend a lot of time trying to build our own lives. But if the picture in eternity is every tongue, every tribe, every nation, if a picture of eternity is every, uh, every tongue confess, every knee bow, everyone acknowledge that the king reigns eternal, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. If the mission is carried out in completion in heaven... I want that mission to be carried out in my life right now. If I'm a a subject of the king, if the king's mission is to seek the lost, to save the lost, to love and serve people, I want the mission of my life right now to be the mission of the king. I don't want to wait. I want his kingdom to come in my life right now, just as it will in heaven. And then finally he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Not my will, but your your will be done. There will be a day where every one of my selfish desires fades away, and I only desire to carry out the will of God. I don't want to wait for someday. I want to do it now. I want my selfishness to fade away. I want selflessness and humility to rise up because that's who we will be someday. I want his will to be done in my life right now on earth, just like it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, pray then like this. So this morning, we're gonna do something a little different and we are going to do just that. We are going to pray then like this, I'd invite the worship team to come out. We're going to do a little um, four-part prayer exercise together. We're going to have four different prompts up on the screen, each prompt following one of the lines of the Lord's Prayer. The first one will say, "Our Father in heaven." Next will say, "Hallowed be your name." Next will be, "Your kingdom come, and then your will be done all on earth as it is in heaven. And each of those things, we're going to put into practice just how God. Has instructed us to pray. Now I'm going to be honest. This is probably way outside some of your comfort zones. But it's outside of our comfort zones where God pushes us and helps us become the people He's called us to be. We're going to turn on some music so it's kind of not quiet, but emotionally quiet so we're not distracted. Um, by any hiccups, coughs, sneezes, or anything like this, but we're going to try to focus in completely on the Lord. You can pray silently in your head. Um, I kind of like to talk to God under my breath because it focuses me. Um, If you'd like to do that too, if you'd like to just talk quietly to the Lord, I'd invite you to do that. Some of you don't need any instruction. We can put a prompt up on the screen and you'd pray for a day. The rest of us, Um, might need a little more guidance and some more things to talk about, so I'll be offering up some prompts for you along the way as well. But I'd encourage you, fix your focus onto the screens as we pray just how the Lord has asked us to pray. Jesus said, our Father in heaven, would we reflect on who God is? you reflect on your relationship with him would you see him for who he really is he's the one who created everything he's everlasting King of kings Lord of lords and he's your father Jesus said hallowed be your name when we see him for who he is we praise him who he is would you spend a moment praising God for who he is for what he has done in your life for what he is doing for what he will do he's our provider savior he's righteous he is love Jesus said your kingdom come when we see him for who he is we submit and surrender to his reign in our life Would you acknowledge God as your king? Would you express your desire for his kingdom to grow in your life? Would you surrender to him in your home? Would you ask him to reign in your marriage? ask him to reign in your workplace Jesus said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven when we see him for who he really is we see ourselves for who we really are and we surrender to his will in our life you surrender the situations in your life over to God to have his way? What do you need to trust him with? Have you been leaning on your own understanding or trusting in God? our Father in heaven. We come before you recognizing who you are. For seeing you as our heavenly Father, the one who reigns, the king above kings, the name above names, the Lord above lords. the one who's not afraid of the things that scare us, the one who has a plan, even when things happen in our life we don't see coming. Hallowed be your name. You are holy. There are no other gods like you. There is no one before you. There is no rock like our God. There is no fortress Like our God, you are our protector. You are our provider. And God, we worship you for who you are. Your kingdom come, God. We don't want to build our own kingdoms here. We want to build your kingdom here on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we submit to you and we give over our selfish Desires, we embrace the humility of your Son Jesus and ask you to have your way in our life. God, we love you. And all God's people said, Amen. Church, our God is great. Amen. This week, would each of us see our God for who He really is? And when we see Him for who He is, would each of us surrender to have His will, His way, His reign all for his glory. God bless you guys.